Hello again. <laughs> I'm back. Y'all thought I was gone, but I'm back. Don't call it a comeback. Y'all don't know that one. That's an old school joint right there. Okay, so um, you know what happened? Here's what happened. I told you guys the last time that I would get on stage that I would, I would rap for you, and I didn't, and that's my bad. But I also go back and listen to my messages, just in case you guys didn't know that. I go back, and I'm like, how did I sound? You guys don't, you ever listen to yourself and you're like, I do not like how I sound. <laughs> that's me. That's me. I'm like, I'm so nasally. Why do I sound like this? And then my wife is like, no, you're fine. It was good. I'm like, man, I stuttered. I said, um, too much and all this kind of stuff. But no, my name is Daryl. I'm an elder here at Metro Praise um, and at Elevate. And uh, man, without further ado, I really want to get into the word. But before we do that, I do want to get your gears turning with a what do you believe question. This question comes with uh, some Twix, actually. So, with those who want to speak out, thank you, my brother. All right. So, the question uh, today is going to be, what did Jesus' death prove? It's a deep question today. What did Jesus' death prove? Yeah. Amen. So, hold on. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I love that. Thank you so much. Y'all, you know what? The guys, they just, none of the girls raised their hand. But right, that's right. That's But you know what? You are, yes, you are supposed to talk first. That's the good. Ah, all right, okay. Yes, but the guys raised their hand. And so we're not going to ask that question this way because it's a what do you believe question. So Jorge, if you can get me a song ready. I did not prep him for that. So, but I am telling you guys now. So what did Jesus' death on the cross prove? And that's going to be the question that you We'll talk about for two minutes. So you guys do that. So basically, what do you believe is a segment that we have right before the word that just to get your gears turning, get your get your mind going, get your gears turning to make sure that you guys are talking about the word before we get into the word. All right, let's go. So let's do it, man. Two minutes. Let's get a song going. Um, and uh, yep, let's do it, man. Two minutes.
All right, all right, we are back. Thank you. I heard some good conversations going on. So, who will be the first one to get a Twix? Oh, you. Yes, you. I can't hear you, brother. Oh, booyah. Oh, <laughs> okay, okay, AJ. Yes, 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 yes. Yo, Jesus' death on the cross proved that he was the Messiah. Indeed it did. That definitely fulfilled some prophecy. <laughs> okay. That's good. That's a good answer. That is a really good answer. To prove that God is real. Ooh, oh, my bad. I threw that one kind of bogus. That was, that was kind of bogus. Where at? Over here? I haven't thrown it yet. That he, oh! That is true, but what did, it, what did his death on the cross prove? The resurrection would have been to prove that he conquered death. Yes. I'm going to get back to you. Who raised the hand first? Keep it 100. Keep, keep both y'all in. One out of 100. The closest to 100. I just repeated what you said. Huh? Closest out of 100. To 100. Seven? No, that's not. All you got to. Okay, here. Nathan. What's up? Indeed, it does. Indeed, it does. He said it proves that he loves us. Christian. Nobody's raising their hand. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, Oli. Yo. 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 Let's say that one. That he loved us enough not to take himself off the cross. Whoa! Well done. Well done. Praise God. Who else? Was it Christian who had the hand raised? You? Who else? Oh, he, okay, y'all. Okay, all right. Okay, all right. Okay, 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 okay. Danelli. Yo, that is a whole fact. That comes from a Bible college student. All right. All right, yo, those are all good answers, all great answers, and those actually are all true, all great answers. You guys are, that was a good, those are good answers, uh, indeed. <clears throat> so, listen, let's go to the slides. I'm going to do a quick recap, and, um, and then we're going to just, like, jump right into it. All right, so we're going, we went over the overview of the Gospel of Mark, right, King and Kingdom, we talked about that, and now we're going to talk about Jesus' death and resurrection. All right, let's go to that first, or probably the third slide, actually. Uh, it's going to say king and new kingdom. I'm going to, yeah, not the last one. So, yep, there we go. It's going to say king kingdom of God on the, on the subtitle there. The one before that one. think you're going the opposite direction. There you go. Okay. So, okay. So, while he gets that together, um, we are going to talk about the kingdom of God. Okay. We're going to talk about uh, the kingdom of God, Israel being uh, both now Jew and Gentile. Uh, we're going to talk about how Jesus predicted his, his death, which we just talked about, and his resurrection. 
and then the greatest in the kingdom, servant of all. All right, so I think the, I think the very next slide might be the one. Okay. You know what? We're just going to roll with it. Y'all don't see the notes, but that's okay. Let's open your Bibles. That's what we should do. Amen. Let's go to Mark, the Gospel of Mark, um, verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 11. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to open the Bible and read it. Amen? Amen? Amen. Come on. So, you know, back in the day when we used to say elevate, it would be like super loud. It would be like, what, what? We didn't do that today. <laughs> and I'm not saying y'all weak. I'm saying that I missed it. And I, I, was, I was really wanting to hear that, what, what? I was like, yes. But you guys did say, what, what? I think Joe B said it the loudest. But let's do, let's do that really fast because that will really warm my heart. Can we do that? If I say elevate, you guys say, what, what? Elevate. What, what? Yo, yes, let's go. Let's go. Praise God. Thank you guys for that. You know what? I should give everybody a Twix. <laughs> if I had enough, I, you know, actually, these are for the missions trip. <laughs> My wife. Yeah. Oh, sorry. 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 Yeah. All right. So, yo, chapter eight. So, listen, we had just talked about last week how Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God. We talked about how he got baptized. We talked about how Jesus... Uh, called 12 disciples. What else did we talk about? We talked about how Jesus also um, called those 12 disciples and how he sent them out. We also talked about how uh, we didn't talk about how he walked on water, but he did that within the text that we had went over. Listen, we weren't going to go over some things, but I do need to touch base on a few things because we are going through the gospel of Mark. And we're going to, I'm summarizing everything essentially so that you can get through the gospel of Mark and, and really not miss a lot, but get all the important things. Obviously, we're not going to cover every little last, you know, verb and letter, but we are going to go through uh, those three categories and topics that we looked at earlier. So let's go to chapter 8. We're going to go to verse 11. We're going to talk about how the Pharisees and the Sadducees rejected Jesus. Right here it says... Actually, he had just, Jesus had just fed 4,000 people, right? It was a miracle, okay? He had fed 4,000 people, and he had said, this is what happened. The Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. Thank you. Can I get the trackpad too, please? It says, the Pharisees came and began to question Jesus. To test him, they asked for him a sign from heaven. And what did Jesus do? He sighed deeply. <laughs> okay, so there was one good answer that you guys gave me. Somebody said, man, he died on the cross because he was fully man. He was also fully God. But look, Jesus, do you think Jesus had feelings? Yes, Jesus had feelings. Listen, right here it says, they came to test him. They asked him for a sign from heaven. He sighed deeply and said, why does this generation ask for a sign? Truly, I tell you, no sign will be given to it. Then he left them. Thank you, my brother. Got back into the boat and crossed over to the other side. Here's, what, here's what's happening right now. Jesus is actually, 
in the Sea of Galilee. Who knows what that is? Amen. Praise God. Okay, okay. All right. Don't be afraid to raise your I'm asking. You got to answer. If, you, if I ask you, you got to answer, right? I mean, I'm asking. I got the mic. You know, give me, a, give me an answer. All right, check it out. So to, we're not going to go into Google like I wanted to, but pretty much it's like the Sea of Galilee would kind of be like right here. And then pretty much the trajectory of the, or I should say the geography of Jesus' travels, he went down to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe I'm right, uh, but the Sea of Galilee is up here, and he's traveling around the Sea of Galilee, all right? He's going back and forth. He's going to the other side. He's talking to people. He's doing miracles. He's, he's got all this stuff going on, and he's traveling down to Jerusalem. Ultimately, we're going to see him go to Jerusalem. I just wanted to kind of give you guys a quick visual on the geography of what's happening. Jesus is at the Sea of Galilee, which is northeast of Jerusalem, okay? Northeast of Jerusalem. So that's like if we went to like, uh, like Montrose Beach, right? All right, if we were there and then we came here, right, to Jerusalem, that's kind of what it would be like. It's a bigger distance, but just to give you guys a visual on that. So that's what's happening. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're like, they're starting to reject Jesus. They're like, man, we really don't believe this guy is who he says he is or who we think he is at this point, rather. We really don't believe what's going on here. Give me a sign. Give me something from heaven that says this is who you are. He goes to the other side because he's because he sighed deeply and he's like, man, why does this generation ask for a sign? He gets in the boat and he dips out. He's like, man, I'm up out of here. I ain't giving y'all jack. So because why wouldn't he do that? He just gave, he just did a bunch of miracles. He just raised somebody from the dead. He all this stuff that happened. You know, I'm just going to uh, scroll up a little bit. Look at this. Look at, look at what's happening here. Hold on. I'm going to tell you, show you guys this right here. Jesus walked on water, right? All this stuff is happening. He feeds 5,000 people. He, he's, he's doing all of these miracles, but then they ask for a sign, and he's like, man, get up out of here with that. We're not having it. So he gets in a boat, and then he dips out. This is what happens. I'm going to just read this whole thing. It's uh, about the yeast of Pharisees, and I said I wasn't going to go over. I asked you guys to actually look into it yourselves, but this is really important, and I'm watching my time because my wife talked to me last time. She was like, baby, went over. I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so listen, but I'm going yep, to be quick. Listen, check it out. Not too quick. Check it out. Here's what the Bible says. I got it up here too. Chapter 8, verse 14, yeast of the Pharisees. Inherit. Listen, the disciples have forgotten to bring bread. You'd be like, big whoop, right? They forgot some bread. All right. Except for one loaf they had with them in the boat. All right. Be careful, Jesus warned them. Watch out for the yeast of the Pharisees and that of Herod. They discussed this with one another, with one another and said, it is because we have no bread. Aware of their discussion, Jesus asked them, why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not see or understand? See, Jesus' disciples just don't, they didn't get it. It's like, it's, it's like if you were in class, anybody's taken algebra before? Okay, algebra. What about calculus? Anybody taking calculus? 
No? Okay. Okay, listen. <clears throat> it's like you're in an algebra class, and then the teacher is, is talking about geometry, okay? Because you take that around the same time. But listen, he's saying, look, I've told, let's go back even, let's, do, let's go to pre-algebra, right? Anybody taking pre-algebra? Okay, okay. Anybody? Nobody? Okay, over there. Okay, Sammy, you took algebra. Okay, all right. Sammy took algebra. Listen, it's like this. He's saying, I've done all of these things. Do you, do you still not see or understand? Are, you, are your hearts hardened? So now Jesus is talking to them so they can start to see because they're not seeing even though he's given them the signs. He's giving them the parables and the secret to the parables. He's giving them the answer to the metaphor. He's saying, he's, he's saying, listen, I'm telling you about the yeast of the Pharisees, and you're talking about bread. You're talking about bread. And he said, don't, don't you see? Don't you understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes but fail to see or ears but fail to hear? And don't you remember? Because, see, he just fed thousands and thousands of people. And he's got all, and it's like, he, all of this stuff, when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many basketfuls and of pieces did you pick up? The 12 replied. Who are the 12? Who's the 12? Disciples. Who said that? Let's go, bro. Let's go. Well, I, you got you to, gotta, who said that? Okay, amen. Amen. Okay. There you go. Mom right there. Oh, who was? All right. Is Hezekiah right there? I'm so sorry. Forgive me. All right. I'm a, all right. <laughs> check it out. Check it out. Look, he said this. Well, the 12, the 12, uh, 12 they replied, okay? And actually, this 12 is talking about the basket fools, but I was talking about the disciples, all right? So I, mix, I actually mixed that up. That's my bad. So look, listen, it says this. And when I broke the seven loaves, Jesus said, for the 4,000, how many basket fools did you pick up? They said seven. Right? Because the they are the, the, the disciples, right? The twelve, obviously the twelve are the disciples, but the they is who I was referring to. So they answered seven. He said to them, Do you still not understand? Jesus is giving them the equation and the answer. He's saying, I, I'm giving you this answer, I've given you these parables. And I'm giving you the answer to them. How don't you see with your mind? It's like, so now, so here's what happens. They're not seeing spiritually. So what does Jesus go and do? He healed a blind man. They're not seeing the things that Jesus, they're not seeing the things that Jesus is bringing to them spiritually. So he goes and does what? He goes and heals a blind man. Listen, Jesus is not after what you can do for him. He's not after what you can do for him. Jesus wants to be after. He is after what you cannot do for yourself. Jesus is after your heart. He wants you to increase your faith. He wants you to see and then see further. So Jesus not only sees 
what's happening here. He says, let me go beyond. Let me elevate. Elevate? What? what? Come on. Let me elevate your mind. Let me elevate this situation right here. He's saying, now, do you see anything? When he was talking to this man, they came to Bethsaida, uh, and some people brought a blind man and begged to touch Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside to the village. When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? So he looked up and said, I see people. So Jesus is asking his disciples, don't you see? Since you can't see, I'm going to go and heal somebody so they can see. Guess what? If you don't serve, Jesus will go and find somebody that will serve. He'll heal their blindness so they can see. If you don't want to worship, Jesus will go and do what? Find some worshipers who will worship him in spirit and in truth. Listen, I'm going to go on further. So the yeast of the Pharisees, that's what we were just talking about. All right, so Jesus is telling them, beware of this. Beware of these Pharisees that will spoil or that will make you harden your heart. They will make you deviate from what he's talking about being the kingdom of God. Listen, going on further, Jesus says, uh, that's not, okay, yeah. So the Sadducees said that there is no resurrection after that. That's what happened. Let's go to Mark 12, uh, verse 18. So after that, Jesus, uh, he predicts his death, and then some Pharisees say, man, I don't believe in this thing here. I don't know what, I, I don't, this guy, he's, he's, he's not who he says he is. And so the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, rather, they go and say, I don't believe that. I don't believe there's going to be a resurrection. But see, Jesus, what, here's what he's doing. Jesus is speaking to their heart. He's speaking to not only their heart, he's speaking to the knowledge that they already have. And the knowledge that they have is tainted with their own pride, with their own legalism, with their own works, because they think they can be saved by their works. Listen, here's what they say. All right. We're at 12. Amen. Listen, it says, then the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us. Who knows who Moses is? Everybody, praise God, just about everybody, amen, come on. Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up an offspring for his brother. See, what they were trying to do is they were trying to trip Jesus up. If he's the Messiah, he's going to know every answer to every question to everything that's, that I'm going to spit at him. They're trying to trip him up. So now there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, and, but he also died leaving no children. It was the same with the third. In fact, none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died too. At the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? Listen what Jesus said. I know it sounds like they're just babbling on, right? Listen, Jesus replied, are you not in error because you do not know the scriptures? <laughs> Look at how Jesus is treating these people. I mean, he's savage. Do, are you not in error because you don't know the scriptures? 
or the power of God. When the dead rise, they will neither marry nor be given in marriage. And it's like he's answering the question of this too. He's like, what? They will be like angels in heaven. Now about the dead rising, have you not read the book of Moses? In the account of the burning bush. Who knows the burning bush was? Man, yes, let's go. How God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. So listen to this. They're trying to say that there is no resurrection, and Jesus just shuts them down and says, man, look, you're in error. Is it because you just don't know the scriptures, or is it that you know the scriptures and you just don't believe the power of God? Some of us are like that today. I mean, I'm not going to go into that too much, but, you know, in any situation you're in, do you not believe the word of God, or is it that you don't believe the power of God? of the word of God over your life to make a change in you. Let's go further. Here's what he's talking about here. Oh, so here's what I want to say. So I'm going to skip back because I want to talk about the kingdom of God and the greatest command. So let's go to Mark 4. Let's go to Mark 4. Mark 4, 26. All right. We're getting into it now. We're getting into it. So Mark 4, 26. Here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the kingdom of God and the greatest command because Jesus, now the disciples are with him and all this stuff is going on. And they're like, man, so what, what, is, what is the kingdom of God like? What is, what is going on here? Like, what am I a part of? I'm following this dude around. He's saying he's the, like, what is happening? And so, but here's, here's, what you, here's what we need to go back to because Jesus describes what the kingdom of God is like. And just like man, they start to tell each other, well, who will be the greatest? I'll be the greatest in the kingdom of God. Oh, no, I'll be the greatest. Oh, I've done this. No, I've done this. And that's how quickly it transpires. That's how quickly it spirals out of control. And so here's what Jesus did. He said in Mark 4, 26, here's what Jesus said. This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle and is, uh, because the harvest has come. So Jesus is saying, this is, what the, this is what the kingdom of God is like. But look, let's keep going. Because he's like, let me give them another parable because this didn't, let me give you another one because this one, eh, I don't think you got it. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? Or what parable shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed. You know what a mustard seed is? Who knows what a mustard seed is? What'd you say? It is. Yes, it is very small. Which is the smallest seeds? Uh, of all seeds on earth, the Bible says, yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds can perch on it in shade. My friends, listen. Jesus is describing the kingdom of God. And here's what he's saying. The kingdom of God 
starts small. It starts small. Poquito. Poquito. Chiquito. Chiquito. I'm sorry. My, my Spanish is not that great. But I'm trying. So it's all right. My Spanish is all right. So listen, the kingdom of God starts small. It starts small. And then it grows. And then when it grows, you do something with that thing that's grown. You take it and do what it's supposed to do, what it was set out to do. That's what Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is like. And so what he's saying here is, listen, the kingdom of God is like these things. And then he says, uh, and, then, and so I want to go back. Let's go back to Mark 12 because Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God. And he's saying, listen, the kingdom of God is like these things. It starts small and then it grows. And then what he says is over here on Mark 12, let's go to, I, I got it from here, bro. I'm going to go to 28. And it says this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard him debating. I'm talking about the greatest commandment, as you guys see here. <clears throat> he said this. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. You know what? Nah. All right, because we just went through that. Listen, he's saying this. He said this because Jesus had just gotten done telling all these guys, listen, y'all are in error. You're trying to trip me up. One of the teachers of the law came to him and said, I know what you're doing. I see this. He overheard him debating. Noticed that Jesus had given him a good answer, and he said, <clears throat> he asked him, of all the commandments, which one is the most important? Right? They're saying, it's like a teacher coming to you and saying, of everything on this test, what was the most important question? You'd be like, man, I don't know. Right? But Jesus knows their hearts. Jesus knows that they are, they're far from the kingdom of God. Except this guy, he says this. The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel. Israel, we talked about last week on the Old Testament. Who remembers that? Who remembers what the Old Testament is? Old Testament? Old Testament? What is the Old Testament about? Old Testament is about God and his people. Amen. Who said that? Nathan? Man, bro, let's go. God and his people. Nathan, the great. Listen, hear this, O Israel, and God's people is Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all. Let's read this together. Love, and on the count of three, one, two, three. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. That was for that verse. We can keep reading on the count of three. One, two, three. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. This is what Jesus is talking about. Now, I want you to look at this. And you're like, man, this is Jesus' words. And it is. It is Jesus' words. Listen, let's really fast, just really fast, let's go to Deuteronomy 6. Uh, four. And I just want to show you guys this. This is the New Testament, right, written way, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years after the Old Testament. All right, listen, check this out. It says this right here. Let's go to it. Where does it, where is, here it is. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home. Do you guys talk about the Bible at home? Do you talk about God's word at home? Do you have devotional time at home? Do you pray at home? If you don't, the Bible is really literally telling you to do this. Let's go back to Mark. Um, let's go back to Mark uh, chapter 12, and we're going to go to verse 34. Listen, why are we doing this? Why is Jesus saying this rather? Jesus is saying this because, look, while Jesus was teaching, oh, that's not it. Here we are. There are no greater, there's no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right. Look at this guy telling Jesus he's right. <laughs> well done, teacher. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, to all you love your neighbor as yourself is most important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. There is nothing you can do that's greater than these commandments. Do you love God? And do you love people? Right there. Look at that. Loving God, loving people. These are the greatest commands. And Jesus said this. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And then no one dared ask him any more questions. So, Here's what I want to get at this. There are many people who are asking Jesus questions, following him around. So many things are going on. But check it out. Jesus said this. If you know this, you're not far from the kingdom of God. But that doesn't mean that you are in the kingdom of God. Because you can know it, but not be participants of it. Right? You can know that God is good, but if you don't act like God is good, guess what? There's no purpose in it. There's no value. Listen, let's go to Mark 9. Actually, you know what? Here, I'm going to do this. How about this? Boom, 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 boom. All right, just, just go ahead and do it, bro. Look, we're going to go to Mark 9, and we're going to wrap it up. Um, Mark 9 33. So we're talking about the kingdom of God, and we're talking about people understanding what the kingdom of God is. Who is the king? Who is the king? Jesus, right? So look, we're going to Mark 9, 33 through 35. Check it out. Look at this. And when the demon was driven out, oh, that wasn't it. Yeah, there we go. They came to Capernaum. Check it out. Really fast. Capernaum actually was a small area. I think I just probably have a photographic memory. So the Capernaum was just, it's like a small area at like the, as like the north uh, west part of the Sea of Galilee. All right, so Jesus is on one side of the sea, and then he goes to the other side, and he's going to the other side, and he's going around, and he eventually makes his way down to Jerusalem. But listen, they go to Capernaum. When, uh, when, when he was in the house, he asked them, what are you arguing about on the road? really fast. Uh, I'm just going to keep reading. But they kept quiet because on the way they had argued about who was the greatest. 
Check it out. Has anybody in here thought that they were better than somebody? Raise a hand. I did. Nobody? Everybody else is humble? Everybody eat humble pie all the time? Okay. All right. <laughs> Listen, we've all been there. But look, they're saying, look, who is the greatest in this kingdom that Jesus is talking about? Sitting down, Jesus called the 12. Who were the 12 again? Amen. Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and servant of all. So now who wants to be great? Right? Who wants? Because this is what he's saying. Since you're arguing about who wants to be the greatest, Jesus is saying, I've been giving you all of these parables. I'm teaching. I'm healing. And who is doing this? Jesus said, He's doing, he doesn't have to say it, but he's, he's doing these things. And he said, I am telling you that I'm last here. I'm the one serving. You're not serving me. I'm serving you. And so here's what happens. He took a little child and placed him among them. Taking the child in his arms, what did he say? He said to them, whoever welcomes these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but welcomes the one who sent me, which is the Father. Check it out really fast. Jesus is comparing the greatest in the kingdom to children, the little ones. I know I heard Oscar mention earlier about uh, Roe v. Wade. Yo, praise the Lord. Can we just give a hand clap for Jesus? Praise the Lord for life, okay? The greatest of these, Jesus said the greatest of these is like a child. Why? Because this child is lowly. They're teachable. They're somebody who I can teach. I can show you something. With my son, with my daughters, I can show them something. That is a greatness. That is, that is the greatest thing you can have is to be teachable to the Word of God. If the Word of God is showing you something, you should be attentive to that thing. You should be so attentive that you want to live it out. Moving on. You cannot buy your way into being a servant either. So now we're talking about something different. Going into who's the greatest. Well, I'm the greatest. Well, what if I just put my money here. Maybe I can be the greatest. And Jesus talks about that, actually. He talks about that right here in verse 7, chapter 10, verse 17. He says, so Jesus started on his way. A man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. And so why are people calling, his, calling Jesus a teacher, right? They know he's a teacher, but they're, they're calling him out his name because they're like trying to, trying to win his approval. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus said. No one is good except God alone. So what is he saying here? You know the commandments. You should not murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You shouldn't give false testimony or lie, right? Yeah, you shall not defraud or honor your father and mother. You should not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these things I've kept since I was a boy. How many know that Jesus knows this guy's heart? Jesus took him, a good look at him, right? He looked at him and said, and loved him. One thing you lack, 
Yeah, you good um, with, your act, with your actions. Yeah, you haven't lied or you haven't defrauded anybody. You haven't murdered anybody. You haven't killed anybody. Raise your hand if you kill somebody. I'm kidding. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Look, you haven't killed anybody. That's great. There's one thing you lack. Go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. So get rid of all of your junk. Get rid of all of your mess. Get rid of all of the stuff that's in your heart. Then you can come and follow me. Then I will accept you. Then you can have the kingdom of God. You got to get, all your stuff needs to be repented from. All of the sins. So at that time, at this, the man's face fell. He was like, I got to sell all of my stuff. How many of you guys got a PlayStation or a game, an Xbox? Praise God. Keep your hands up, though. Keep your hands up. How many of you are willing to sell that and give it to a neighbor? Amen. Praise God. Yes, that would be a tough, that would be a tough deal for me. Listen, Jesus is saying that this is what he, this guy had to do. And he said, look, he went away sad because he had great wealth. But I want to I point out something. This is a teachable moment. I want to point out something. Look right here. Jesus, is, Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is, it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And there's an exclamation mark here. How hard is it for, a, for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Jesus is telling these guys, you can't buy your way in. You can't come in with all of your junk. You can't come in with sin. You can't come in and not be ready to lose your life. You cannot come in and not ready, be not and not be ready to count the cost of being a disciple of Jesus. You can't come in. And here's what Jesus, and so the disciples, oh, the teachable moment I wanted to mention here is this. Jesus' disciples are around him. They're around him. Most of the time, if not all the time, somebody's around Jesus. So just keep that in mind when, he, when we were reading scripture or reading parables. At, at that particular time, somebody or his disciples were probably around him listening. The disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said again, children, who are the greatest in the kingdom? Man, look, children, be teachable. Listen to me, children. How hard is it is to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier because, listen, he's like, they're just amazed at it. And they're like, oh, my goodness. Yo, bro, this, oh, he's savage, bro. He's like, yo, listen, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Does that mean you can't have money? No, doesn't mean that. Doesn't mean you got to be broke, busted, and disgusted going into the kingdom. No. What that means is your heart can't be full of the things of this world and enter the kingdom. You cannot. Your heart cannot be full of the things of this world and then think you're going to enter into the kingdom of God. So, here's what I want to tell you. You also... Um, get back. So when you do lose things, when you do sacrifice, when you do give, you get it back a hundredfold, it says actually in verse, let's look here. It says it right here. Uh, 
Oh man. Okay. Well, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hold on to that. But it says that uh, I can't remember the scripture right off the top of my head. But listen, I'm gonna keep going and I'm gonna wrap it up. What you lose. What is it? Ah, praise the Lord. Amen. Look, truly, so listen to this. Truly, I tell you, Jesus replied, no one has left their home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much. This is what Jesus is saying. You're not going to lose what you have. I'm not saying go sell everything for nothing. You're going to get the kingdom of God. And that's going to be a hundred times as much. Here, we're going to wrap it up here. Let's go to uh, Mark chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus predicts his death because here's what he's talking about. We're talking about losing stuff. We're talking about losing things for the kingdom of God. We're talking about sacrificing. And Jesus is saying, look, you can't have a heart full of stuff. You can't have attachments to this world and think you're going to get to heaven. That's not going to work that way. You got to get rid of your sin. You got to get rid of your junk. Listen, so here's what Jesus is doing. He goes and he goes to, he's, he's uh, at Mark 8, 31. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. This is actually something that we could talk about a different day, probably next Friday, about the suffering servant. Jesus says, or, or, the, or Mark, he says here, he then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and teachers of the law the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again, he spoke plainly about this. It wasn't a metaphor. It wasn't a parable. He spoke about it right here, and he said, man, he spoke about this, and Peter took him to the side and began to rebuke him. Imagine that. Peter rebuking Jesus for giving him salvation, but Peter, again, the disciples, their mind, they couldn't see it, and so here's what he said, man, but when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. He told Peter, Get behind me, Satan. He called his disciple Satan. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Listen, I'm going to go here myself, and he predicts his death again. Nine, Chapter 9, verse 31. Here it is. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what are you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet, right? We read that. And so what he says is this. You have to be a servant of all. Anybody who comes, you have to be a servant of all. You got to be the very last. Okay? You have to be a, the very last. Whoever welcomes me doesn't just welcome me, but they welcome the father who sent me, the one who sent me. That was the father. Okay? Here's what he says. Whoever is not against us is for us. Then he goes and he calls and he, he goes and heals somebody. But listen, Jesus, where is that, where is that scripture? 1045. 1045. Let's read it really fast and then let's actually all stand up and we're about to close this out. Praise the Lord, you guys. We had to work the word today. Listen, I want to tell, oh, this is what I want to tell you too. Jesus called them together and said, you know that, the, that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. 
Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. That word slave, I know, might be uh, a little strong here. But let me tell you, that word slave in the Greek is doulos. You're going to learn some Greek today. It's called, the, the way you pronounce that in the Greek is doulos. Okay? Let's have the altar workers. Doulos. The word doulos, when you go to it, it also means servant. Okay? It must be servant of all. For even the Son of Man, and this didn't work for me, but let's see if it'll work again. Let's see if it'll work here. But listen, even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So if Jesus came to serve, how much more should you serve? Think about this. If Jesus, the Son of Man, came to serve, how much more should you serve? We are called to be servants. That's what we're called to be. We are called to be servants. Listen, Jesus was talking about the Gentiles here. Not the Jews. He was talking about the Gentiles. And he's saying, listen, these Pharisees and Sadducees are lording their, their authority over these Gentiles. But I'm here to tell you, the Gentiles will be saved too. I'm here to serve them as well. I'm going to scroll down here. If we can get some music. Listen, here's what I want to end with tonight. Last week we ended on taking up your cross and following Jesus. This week we will end on being servants in the kingdom of God. Jesus came to serve. The greatest in the kingdom are teachable, small and lowly at heart, wanting to learn, wanting to be discipled, wanting to learn, wanting to be teachable. Here's what I'm telling you tonight. I want everybody to just line up right in this same row where Jocelyn is at. Just, everybody just come to the front. Just come to the front. Listen. Here's what I'm going to tell you. Because we're about to get into next week, we're going to get into Jesus' death and how Jesus died on the cross. Listen. Listen to this. I mean, I meant this row, this, this row but y'all can just make yourself comfortable. Don't, don't worry about that formality of trying to be on the same row. Just be in the front and listen. And I want you to catch this. Because the mother outside, before Elevate started, had a teachable moment. And that heart is what Jesus wants in the kingdom. 
That's the heart that Jesus wants in the kingdom. And with tears in her eyes, she wanted her son to live because he's doing things that he should not be doing. And he's drugs and so many other things. Listen, if you don't have the heart to serve, if you have anything in your heart that is attached to this world, Jesus is saying, you're not the greatest. You want to be the greatest. But you should be the last and the lowest. Let's close our eyes. Close our eyes. Bow your head. Close your eyes. And in your heart today, in your heart today, I want you to think about this. Think about this. Jorge, please. Think about this. Are you ready to serve Jesus? And I don't mean serve at the capacity that you think you could serve at. Are you ready to serve Jesus at the capacity that he believes in you and that he knows you can serve at? Come on, with every eye closed, every eye closed, head bowed. Search your heart. I want you to really search your heart. Are you ready to serve Jesus? Are you ready to be in the kingdom of God and be treated like a child to be teachable and to be lowly and to serve? Because Jesus said, even the Son of Man, even me, he said, even I came to serve. Even I came to serve. I didn't come to be served. Are you going to be like Jesus tonight and serve? Or are you going to be the same you and serve yourself? Are you going to continue to serve your flesh? Or are you going to serve the one who created your flesh? So at this moment, keep your eyes closed, head bowed, eyes closed. And here's the, and, and here's, here's the call I'm, I'm giving you. Come and get prayer. There's going to be two, two, two calls here. Come and get prayer. If you want to serve Jesus and you haven't had the heart to serve Jesus, but you do now. Come and get prayer. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If you have not had a heart to serve Jesus and be in the kingdom of God, but you do now, come and get prayer now. Now's the time. Don't be afraid to get prayer. The second call is going to be a general call here. And I want, uh, I want to pray for everybody who's going on this mission trip. So if you're going on the missions trip, you don't have to step forward and get prayer. We're going to pray for you. But I do want you, actually, I do want you to step forward so we can pray over everybody going on this mission trip. Just step forward. That's all. Take a step. Take one step forward. Y'all can do it. Hallelujah. You can do it. If you're going on a mission trip, listen, even those who aren't going on this mission trip, let me tell you, 
We're going to pray for you too. But we're going to pray. TJ, could you pray for us? We're going to pray for every heart that did not come forward to get prayer. That you do have the heart to serve. Because we're going out into the mission field to preach the gospel. We are going out to the harvest. We are going out to the harvest to serve. And it's not a joke. It's not a game. We might have some good times out there. Praise God. Make memories. But the purpose that we're there to do to fulfill is to preach the gospel. And we are not ashamed of that. Without further ado, brother, could you uh, pray for all the youth going to the missions trip? Pray for the youth that aren't going for them to continue to be filled and then close us out in prayer. Hallelujah, God. We just thank you for this day, God. We thank you for everything you have done and everything you're going to do. Holy Spirit, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray for every youth, Lord God, who is going on this mission trip, Lord God. I pray that they will have a servant's heart, Lord God. I pray they will have a heart, Lord God, that wants to see people get to know you, Lord God. People get saved, Lord God. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that they will have their hearts changed in this mission trip, Lord God. Break their hearts for the lost in Dallas, God. Break their hearts for the lost in these cities, Lord God. And then they'll come back into Chicago and want to see Chicago saved, Lord God, and transformed by the message of the gospel, God. Holy Spirit, even now, God, put a fire in our hearts, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, to see people come to know you, God, to see people who are broken. Oh, God, I pray they don't see people who are broken, people who are lost, people who are depressed, people who are saddened, people who are suicidal. Oh Lord God, come to know you. Holy Spirit, even now, God, put it in their hearts, Lord God. Put it in their hearts, Lord God, to see people come to know you today, God. Put it in their hearts to see people come to know you in Dallas, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that this would not just be a, a regular mission trip, Lord God, but this will be a Holy Spirit feel mission trip, Lord God. Pentecostal mission trip, Lord God. That they will see miracles, signs, and wonders going forth with the preaching of the gospel, God. Holy Spirit, we ask, Lord God, and we say to send him out, Lord God, to go and make disciples, to preach the gospel, to see people come to know you in the name of Jesus. And God, we pray for every single youth here today, Lord God, that they will have a heart that wants to worship you, that wants to live for you, that wants to serve you, that wants to go after you, God. God, we pray that you will move in their hearts, Lord God, moving in their lives, Lord God, that they will live a life worthy of the gospel, God, a life worthy of you, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, and that they will bring their friends and their family members and their neighbors and their community to the church, Lord God, and that they'll get raised up to be disciples that make other disciples, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, God. We ask that you will have your way in their hearts. We ask that you will have your way in their life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, guys. You guys are dismissed. Please go fellowship. God bless you guys.